you didn't just forgive us and leave us to ourselves, but you wiped the slate clean and you adopted us, Lord. You adopted us into your family, which means we belong to you and you belong to us. You are our inheritance. You are what we get. And we're so grateful to you for that. That you desire relationship with us who were unworthy, but you made us worthy. We were unrighteous, unrighteous, and our own righteousness didn't work, but you gave us your righteousness. And we thank you, Father. And I just pray that we'd continue to embrace the grace to spend time with you and to, to turn aside from things, to get back in alignment with you, Father, your word, your presence. And so, Father, we open up our hearts today and our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord will say to us. And we choose to embrace, by your grace, your words and put them into action. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Last week I started a two-part series on key elements of a dynamic prayer time. And uh, the main challenge is encouraging you to um, spend time with the Lord, to make it a point to spend time with Him regularly throughout the week, daily, would be the goal. But one thing, as I start, I want to share something I said last week, and I was lovingly corrected by a sister. And I appreciate um, that correction, because I made the point, I said, prayer is boring. Remember, but we need to do it anyway. Remember, I said something about prayer being boring. And you know, actually, that's not true. Prayer itself, which is communion with God, is not boring. Now, what we tend to do gets boring. We make it ritual or, or we're just basically spending time with ourselves, you know, and that gets boring. But if we connect to him, I mean, almighty God, the creator of the universe, he's by no means boring. And so if we're having a hard time, if we're bored with our prayer life, that's not on God's part. That's on our part. And we need to figure out, OK, how do I get reconnected to him who's not boring, but very exciting? And so I do stand corrected when I say prayer is boring and boring. And so if we're finding ourselves in boring prayer times, then it means we're not really connecting with God. And I just want to share some things when I say key elements of a dynamic prayer time, I believe if you implement these things, many of us are already doing them. It is not that you have to have every single one of these keys implemented, but as you implement them, I believe it will help you to reconnect with God and have dynamic times with him to where you don't want to leave. Towards like the alarm goes off, it's like rats. Now I got to go to work. If I can just have 10 more minutes. I've had times like that. I've also had times it's like, that's only been five minutes. Okay. I got 55 more minutes to go. You know, where it just seems dry. And, and a lot of times it's because my soul gets so cluttered. And it's like last week, I, I, uh, if I, find, I find if I start later in the morning, the later I start in the morning, the more my soul. It's like it starts off, I wake up and it starts building a momentum. And then all these thoughts and all these things I got to do and the pressures of life and that kind of thing. So to me, I like to start as early as possible before all that stuff starts so that my soul is quiet. My soul is quiet. What I mean by soul being quiet, like all these thoughts just racing and racing and racing, the things you have to do. And they're not bad thoughts necessarily, but it's just busy. 
And the more you're wrestling with that, the more it's going to be hard to connect with God. So I'm going to um, uh, share this. We started last week, and you can get the whole thing on the Internet. I believe it's a webcast and the audio. So you can, so I'm not, because I'm not going to go over everything I went over last week, but I'm just going to um, summarize briefly. The first key is, is that you have to have vision as to why you are doing this. We have to have a vision as to why we're going to spend time in prayer. It's got to be more than just a discipline. But it's got to be a reason, a vision, because when I'm having a, when I'm struggling with the act, the vision, getting my eyes back on the vision is going to help motivate me to keep going forward. Does that make sense? And so we have to have vision. I shared in John chapter 17, verse three, which I feel it's like it's a continuation of John three sixteen, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then Jesus in 17, three of John, he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So our purpose, once we're born again, is to get to know God. And I shared that last week. So that's the vision. Our vision of a prayer time is to get to know God. But I didn't share with you the whole vision. And I'm going to share the other part of that today, because another verse or scripture that talks about uh, it's in Matthew somewhere. I forgot to look it up, but it, where the Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, in a nutshell, to love God with everything in you. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. So the goal I submit to you today that the goal of our our, uh, prayer time, our quiet time is to fulfill that commandment, to love God with everything in us and to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. And so uh, I'd like to show a video. Are you ready with that video, Shannon? I'd like to show a video. It's called Get Service and to kind of help us understand more practically about this vision of service, of, of loving people. Now, obviously, you can see in the, the message and that is very simple. Notice how when he first started out his day, it was all about him. But with the glasses, he was able to see things from a different perspective, begin to see the needs that people really have. And um, we're like that, you know, people cutting us, cutting us off in traffic or just the way we engage people. They have bad attitudes towards us and that kind of thing. And I believe that's why it's important for us to spend time with God, because as we spend time with him, not only are we connecting with him, getting to know him, allowing him to transform our hearts. But then when we go out and engage people, we'll have his heart causing our heart to beat and we'll see things from a different perspective. But if it's all just if it's just about us, then we're going to live the first way he was living. And it's going to be all about me. People pick, take up my parking space and totally overlooking the needs of other people. And remember, this is what God has called us to, to love him and to love our neighbor as ourself. And when someone said, well, who's my neighbor? And we see the story that Jesus gave. The example he gave was the good Samaritan, you know, who went out of his way to minister to the needs of a man who was broken. And so that's why this is important. So when when I'm the vision that I have of the importance of spending time with God is driven by these two things, loving him and loving other people. And that's what I want to submit to you today. So when we talked about the first thing, you've got to have a vision. The second thing is you have to covet and protect this relationship. We need to see our relationship with God similar to that as our spouse, because in the Bible, Paul equates 
the relationship of, of uh, husband and wife to Jesus and the church. And so if I'm going to develop my relationship with God, then I need to look at the principles that I use to govern and strengthen my relationship with my wife. You know, and uh, I have to have a vision. I have a vision for my relationship with her. It's not, well, she's my old ball and chain, so I've got to put up with her now. And so I've got to spend time with her. If that's my vision, it's not going to go very far, is it? It's not? Okay. I was just told it's not going to go very far. But if I see her as a gift that God has given to me, and she completes me, makes me one together with one, and I want to protect that and strengthen and build that, and I keep that vision before me, then I'm going to do things to intentionally develop our relationship together. And it's the same thing with God. I need to do things to intentionally build my relationship with Him. So I have to protect and covet that relationship. Number three, I have to uh, time of the day and length of time. I have to set aside time to spend with God and, and block off a chunk of time that I'm going to spend with Him, just like I need to do with my wife. And number four, location. Find a place where I can be as loud or as quiet as I want. In other words, when I'm going to spend time with God, have a quiet time, Jesus talked about going into your closet. In other words, he talked about going into a place where you're, you're not distracted or, or, or bothered by the cares of the world or stuff or life or whatever. Get in a secluded place where you can be left alone so you can just focus on him. And that's important. And we have to be intentional about these things. And number five, his word needs to be a part of our regular diet. His word. If you, when you're having a quiet time, if you don't have time to include all the elements you want, but if there's at least one thing I strongly challenge you to do is make sure you get time in his word. You have to have his word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It's his word that's going to keep us grounded and keep us going the way that we need to be going. The Bible talks about that in the last days there will be teachers and false teachers, false prophets, people who are going to rise up and lead people astray because of the error that they teach and preach. And how are you going to know if what they are saying is right or wrong if you are not grounded in the word? Because the Bible talks about people turning away from God. Because of deception. And the less, if you don't know his word, then you're going to be more susceptible to deception. His word has to be that which we covet and crave and and participate in on a regular basis. And I would encourage you as you're reading the word, before you get into your quiet time, have determined and set what you're going to read. So you're not spending a lot of your time trying to find something to read. No, you spend a lot of time just flipping the pages. I don't know what to read. Determine that before you get into it so you can just jump right into it. And also I would encourage you, whether you use an iPad or iPod or some kind of note-taking device or real paper, if you forgot what that looks like, looks like that. But something to write down and, um, and take note of what the Holy Spirit is teaching you so you can read, go back and read it uh, sometime. So I'd encourage you to take notes. Okay, number six, praise and worship. The Bible says in Psalms 100, verse 4 and 5, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And the reason why it's important, I believe why it's important to enter his presence with uh, praise and thanksgiving is because it sets the atmosphere of faith. 
A lot of times when we go before God, our automatic default is to begin to tell him what we need. Okay, I'm going to have a quiet time with God. So I sit down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I really need you to provide this. I really, and we just go on into what we need. And then what happens is, is where our needs become so amplified and we're fo- our whole focus is our needs. You know, God is way out there in the distance. Our needs are right here. That's all we can see. That's all we can focus on. And they become amplified and magnified. And then we get into this begging, whining mode. Where we're trying to convince God that he needs to help me with this. That is not faith. And the Bible says that God... That without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I mentioned to you last week that God is not moved by need, but he's moved by faith. Because the world is full of need. I mean, wouldn't you agree? This world is full of need. But you may think, well, why isn't God doing anything? Well, he is. But he's moved by faith. And so when we come to him, we want to come to him in faith. We have need and it's and he definitely invites us to come to him for our need. But unfortunately, or come to him with our needs. But unfortunately, because this has happened to me where I'll spend a full hour and my whole time is telling him what I need. And then you get come out worn out and it's like that was not a, a good time. end yeah praise and worship so it's important to and that's why i keep pushing these um these worship cds and of course you don't have to use the ones that i'm selling there are all kinds out there i just want to get you introduced to some there's all kinds and i'll be i'll be bringing more um and of course we sell them at a discounted rate because our heart is for you to have worship our heart is for you to have something that will encourage you and be a tool that you can use to get into his presence So praise and worship is a key. And I want to encourage you to spend time just worshiping him, loving on him, magnifying him. The Bible says, uh, Psalms chapter 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify God, exalt him, worship him. Be reminded of how big he is and how small your problems are in comparison. And I would even encourage you when it says enter his gates, uh, his courts with praise and his gates with thanksgiving. If I'm saying that backwards, thanksgiving. Begin to thank God, thank him for what he's done in the past, how he's met your needs, how he's answered prayers. Worship him and say, God, thank you for for meeting that need. Thank you for for protecting my son when he jumped off that cliff doing a backflip. You know, thank you. You know, just begin to thank him. That's a reality. But anyway, I'll keep moving on. But just begin to thank him. For the things that he's done, because then it builds your faith. You know what? God did this before. He's, he wants to do it again. And so you want to you want to approach him with faith. And number seven, picking this is starting today. Number seven, praying in tongues. Yes, I'm going to say that again. Pray in tongues, your prayer language. Thank you. OK, I thought I was in the wrong church. I was getting real nervous. You know, in Jude chapter, excuse me, Jude verse 20, it said, my beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, in first Corinthians chapter 14, it says that actually I forgot to turn there. Let me turn there real quick. 
electronically. I hope the internet's on. I'm going to be in trouble. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14. Okay. I'm stuck. Can someone read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for me? Verse 2 and verse 4. Okay, so paraphrasing, he who speaks in an unknown tongue is, is not speaking to men, but speaking to God. He speaks mysteries. No one understands. And I'm not going to do a series on praying in tongues, but I just want to cover some highlights. Also, it says, he who prays in tongues edifies or builds himself up. Builds himself up. And remember Jude verse 20, it says, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Let's see. Anybody have a physical Bible? I forgot to bring mine. That I can borrow. Can I borrow this, Taylor? Thanks. See, you can't always count on technology, can you? Uh, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And I want to reiterate again what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. It says, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So there's a time for the church to be edified. And a lot of times people will say, see, that's why we should choose prophecy. That's more important because it's about the church. Whereas tongues is selfish. It's all about you. Well, actually, how many of us need to be edified? We all need to be edified. So God has made a way for us individually to be edified so we can in turn edify others. But if we skip our own edification, we're not going to be able to edify other people, right? And a major way that he's made so that we can edify ourselves is praying in tongues. Now, a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, I did a series on, on speaking and praying in tongues. It's on the website. Uh, and I think Kaylin has it tagged where, how do you get to a K? You just go to. It's in that. Okay, so when you get to the, the uh, listen now, just don't click in that, but go down a little bit and you'll see it says something about series on tongues. And so you can listen to all that. If you have any questions, you can talk to me about it. Uh, but it is so important. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So right here he talks about how the Holy Spirit joins with us and helps us to pray because we don't know how to pray all the time. But I want to share some backing up a little bit on edifying and building our ourselves up. First Corinthians chapter 14 says that he who built, he who prays in tongues edifies himself. It has been proven scientifically. They did some research at ORU and some other places that there are physical, physical benefits from praying in tongues. Physical stress rate going down, blood pressure going down. Immune system being boosted. I can't remember the percentages, but I mean significant boost in immune system by people praying in tongues. 
Now, the Bible says right here, he who prays in tongues builds himself up. Now, I'm going to ask this question. I'm not going to get into it. But some people believe that tongues is not for everybody. So they're saying that edification is not for everybody. If God has given me a way to build myself up, and even physically, if I have physical benefits, then why is it just for me and it's not for you? Am I more special than you? I believe tongues is for every believer. Now, I believe we get confused in the two different manifestations. There's a manifestation of tongues that is for the corporate body. There's that kind of tongue. And then there's also the praying my heavenly prayer language to God. Because in one place, there's an interpretation where somebody understands and they interpret that tongue, right? Corporately. But there's also a place where it says no one understands. He speaks mysteries to God. So there's either a contradiction or there's two types of tongues. I believe that there's two types. There's the corporate manifestation, the gift. You know, remember on the day of Pentecost when they were praying and all of a sudden these men all heard, whoa, they're speaking in my language. Remember that? So that was a corporate manifestation of that gift. But the Bible says when he speaks in tongues, nobody understands. But in Acts chapter 2, they understood. You see what I'm getting at? And I believe the confusion is not everybody is going to speak in a tongue where it can be interpreted. Not everybody's going to do that. And so because of that, they say, see, tongues is not for everybody. But I believe the edification tongue, the tongue, the prayer language is for every believer. Okay, and that's enough on that. You can look at the or go back in the archives and go over that that um, series. But I'm going to show you something the Holy Spirit showed me the other day. Do you know that um, this is called the eye kick right here? I'm not going to tell you who made it, but it was made here in Stillwater. Because I don't know if I'm allowed to do a commercial, but it's made in still water and it has the word kicker on it. But enough said. Okay. But the Lord showed me the other day that the Holy Spirit is just like that eye kick. Isn't that something? Just like that eye kick. And I hope my technology works with me today. Come on, tech. Okay. Here's my, um, my, my phone. And I have music on it, worship music on it. That I want to play right now. Hello. Hello. Okay, come on. Oh, I know. It helps to turn it up. Okay, can you hear this? Hear a little bit. Can you understand what they're saying? Singing. Can I have this full blast turned all the way up? Let me turn it back down. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? One of my favorite songs. Anyway, the interesting thing about this, this iPod right here, it has a certain level of volume and you could hear it a little bit, right? But the moment I plugged it into here, it was amplified. You know, the interesting thing about this, when I play this, um, I can have my own worship time. I can play this. But as I play it, the uh, battery begins to drain. 
You know that? So if I play it for a couple hours or whatever, then my, I may have 10%, 5% time to reload. But when I play the same thing, when I plug it in here, not only is it louder, and I can play it for hours and hours and hours, but instead of the battery being drained, the battery is built up. And the Bible says that when we pray in tongues, we're building ourselves up. Here's what that means to me. When I pray in the understanding, I'm limited. I'm I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Which the Bible does say to pray in the understanding and in the spirit. But when I'm praying in in uh, in the with the understanding, I'm wearing down and I'm limited. And spiritually speaking, in the spiritual realm, I'm only so loud. But when I connect with the Holy Spirit, I'm amplified. And all of a sudden, it goes a whole lot bigger distance. And also, when I'm praying in tongues, when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm not getting worn out, but I'm getting built up. So God has given a way where I can pray, and I can pray for hours at a time and be built up when I'm done instead of worn out. So everybody buy my eye kick. The Lord gives me illustrations like that to help me understand his uh, biblical principles. And here's something that's really cool. I remember it was uh, years ago. I was about to walk out the door. And, and the Holy Spirit seems to do this with me as he sets me up. He'll ask a question, but it'll be like I came up with the question. I think I'm having this question, but later I realize that he planted this question in my brain. And I'm asking. Then he answers the question. Does that make sense? And I remember walking out and I was thinking these thoughts and I was thinking, you know, now let me explain this first. I believe that God has given man dominion. He's given us Christians dominion. When he made Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over the earth. They had dominion. They were rulers of. But of course, we know the story, Adam and Eve, what they did, sin, that kind of thing. And so they lost the authority. Then Jesus came, did his thing. Hallelujah. And he said, all authority has been given back to me. Go, therefore. So he has given authority back to us as his believers. And he told us to go and do something with that dominion. But I believe we have dominion. So I believe that God has set up a system where he on earth, he operates through his people. He doesn't do things without through his people. And what I mean by that, check out how the gospel is to be preached. Doesn't the Bible say it is God's desire for all men to be saved? Is it his desire or not? Then why doesn't he just come down and do it? But how does he how is he orchestrated? How is he ordained? He says, you go preach the gospel so the world will hear and they can get saved. So he's ordained it through his people to do his work. Same thing with healing. If God wanted us all to be healed, couldn't he just boom, do it? But he says to his people, go into all the world. And he says, these signs shall follow those that believe you shall lay hands on the sick. You shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Okay, you with me so far? And then in, in the Old Testament, we see that when, you know, Joshua fought the battle of the Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Remember that song? Well, that story, when, remember God told him to walk around or march around X amount of times and do all these weird things? If God wanted that wall, then that, didn't he just snap his fingers and boom, the wall disintegrates or disappears? But he did it through the obedient acts of his people. 
He had them walk around and do all this stuff, and then boom, the walls came down. So my point is, when God does stuff, he does it through his people. And so I believe that for people, for God to intervene in people's lives. Now, this theory isn't airtight and everything. There's probably holes in it, but this is just how I think. Okay, so you just have to bear with me. When people for people to get saved, I believe someone's, you know, the Holy Spirit works on us, but someone's got to be praying for them. Because we could all raise our hands and say, oh, I had a grandma praying for me. Now, we know there's someone in our lives who prayed for us. And that invited the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff. I don't know exactly how it works, but here's what I'm getting at. I think it's important for people to be prayed for. But here's the thought I was walking out. As I was walking out the door, I had this thought. What about a young man in Iraq or Iran or or somewhere in the Middle East who's 10th generation Muslim? And let's say his name is, is Saeed or something like that. Who's praying for Saeed? Who's praying for his salvation? His grandma? Probably not. And so I had this, and I was thinking, man, what about people like that? And see, that was the plant the Holy Spirit put in my head. Who prays for people like that? How do they get prayed for? And then here's what he told me. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit told me. When my people pray in tongues, they yield themselves, they're yielding their members, submitting to my will. That allows God to take that and use it however he wants to and pray for Saeed. Or, or whoever. And so what that showed me was when I decide to pray in tongues, not only am I building myself up and I'm praying things I have no clue of, but at the same time, God can be using that and I can be partnering with him with partnering with him, praying for someone on the other side of the planet. And see, when I get that kind of vision, I realize it's not all about me, but it is about me. I get to be built up. I get to partner with God and Saeed gets saved. I'm hearing all these testimonies and, and reports with the Jesus film and different things of whole villages having a dream. Muslim villages, the entire village having a dream about this man named Jesus who they know not of. They don't realize they all had the same dream until the next day they start talking about it. Someone say, I had this dream last night. This man in his white robe. And I had the same dream. And then someone, I had the same dream. The whole village will have the same dream. And then within a few days or a matter of time, a team comes in to show the Jesus film. And everybody's saying, that's him. That's the man we saw in our dreams. And they all get saved. Isn't that cool? But see, for that kind of invasion to happen, I believe God needs his people to pray for people. And so the benefit of praying in tongues, and so this is what's cool when your prayer time, when you're just getting it on with God and you're having an awesome time, and you just cut loose in tongues, just know, you know, right now I don't know what I'm praying, but the Bible says that when we don't know how to pray, likewise the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Lord, I don't know how to pray. I know that. Let me do it through you. And he's praying through me. Isn't that awesome? I mean, imagine and see, this is what this is what rewards are going to be about. This is what's going to be exciting when we just yield to him and obey him and honor him. And we give our lives to him and we have no clue what a lot of our obedience is doing. But when we get on the other side of heaven, it begins to show us what we did. And here, here's all these rewards. What did I do to get that? And he shows us a video. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know if there are iPods, iPads in heaven. 
I'm sure there's better stuff up there, right? But we're going to get to see how when he says, you remember that one time when you were praying in the spirit and, and your prayer language is changing. And you were doing that for a long time. And this is what happened as a result of that. How many of you have been praying in tongues in your prayer language? And it changes dialect. It goes from Arabic sounding. It changes to German sounding or Native American or all these different things. Anybody ever had that happen? Isn't that pretty cool when that does happen? To me, that's awesome. I remember one time I, pr- I was praying, and it, it does that. It'll change dialects. And I don't know if I'm speaking German or what I'm saying, but I've heard German. I lived in Germany three and a half years, so I know what German sounds like. Plus, I know Bettina. <laughs> Wherever she is. You hear Bettina? There she is. I've heard her speak German before. So it's like, yep, yeah, that's German. I, I don't, I've never spoken Arabic, but I've been to Arabic countries. I know what it sounds like. Or Native American or Spanish or, or whatever. And I was praying and all of a sudden my language changed. And it was, a, it was an interesting dialogue, but I just kept going with it. I didn't know what I was praying. And I never knew. I was like, man, what country was that? And then I remember a short time after I was in the airport going somewhere. I don't know if I was going to Kenya or somewhere. And I remember standing there and this group of people, a family, was a little bit of ways, probably as far as she is. And they were talking. I was like, whoa, that's that language. They were speaking the language that I was praying in my prayer. And they were Polynesian or, or something like that. I don't, I don't know where they were from. But it was so cool. And I had no clue what they were saying. But I recognized the language. And my clue was is that I think I was praying for that nation or praying for somebody in that, um, from those, that people group. So anyway, I encourage you. You know, Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. Remember that? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, somewhere in there. I thank God that I pray in tongues more. And I thought, how dare him say something like that? How does he know? Paul, how do you know you pray in tongues more than them? And I bet his answer would be, and of course we have no clue, so I'm paraphrasing and making this up. But he'd say something like, because I pray about all the time. Nobody can pray more than I do. And I'm thinking, why would Paul pray in tongues more than anybody else? I believe it's because, remember, he got caught up in the third heaven. He saw things that he couldn't even talk about. It's like, whoa. I mean, he probably had, probably burst some, some, um, those things up there. Do you call those? Yeah. Brain cells. <laughs> I think I lost a few. I can't even. But no telling what he saw, what he experienced, we don't understand. But I bet a part of it is what gave him revelation of speaking in tongues. Because he did it more than anybody else. He did it all the time. And so it's like, you know what? I don't have the revelation Paul has, but the dude had some kind of revelation, so I'm going to go off his. He knew something. So there's something about this tongues that I know not of, but by faith, I'm going to participate. I'm going to engage. And so I'm going to pray as much as I can. So I encourage you to add that as part of your daily diet. And not just on Wednesday, night, Wednesday nights or prayer meetings. Don't just break out the tongues then. But mainly use it when it's just you and God. When you're driving down the highway. When you're doing things where you, you, can, you can multitask. And you can just pray. Just pray in tongues and worship, worship God. Okay. Got a few more minutes. I do want to get to the last one. I don't have a lot of time. Where am I at? Okay. Praying in tongues is number eight. Oops. Number seven. Oh, man, I got two more. 
<laughs> I got more notes here than I thought. And there's, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Okay, number eight, praying for your needs and desires. Praying for your needs and desires. We are invited by God to pray for our needs. Remember, he says to um, Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. So we're invited to pray for our needs. But the cool thing is our Heavenly Father already knows our needs. So it's not like we're catching him off guard and telling him things that he doesn't already know. But we can come to him and say, man, Daddy, I really need help with this. Or I'm short this month. The month There's too much month left over and my finances are gone. You know, I, I need some help here. It's okay for us. And he says, come on, talk to me about it. But here's the cool thing, too, that he says a promise in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33. Do not worry then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. All these things will be added. So the promise is if we put him first, his kingdom first, he's going to take care of our needs. He says the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. And here's what can happen. We can begin to eagerly seek after these things, our needs. And it's like, okay, God, when I get these things taken care of, then I will have time to do this stuff. The outreach and the, the witnessing and the spending time with prayer and that kind of thing. But the thing is, is we never get to that stuff because our, we're always going to have need. As long as you're on this planet, you will have need. And so if your thought is, when my needs are met, then I will spend time doing the kingdom thing, you'll never get around to it. So God has designed a system that if we take care of his business, he'll take care of our business. But we can't ask him, Lord, I have need of this. And it's okay to ask him. And also I put in here, pray for your desires. You can pray for needs and desires too. Two verses I'm going to give you. Ver, uh, John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that's Jesus saying... That to his disciples. It, but the condition is, if we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we can ask whatever we wish and it shall be done for us. Now, some people say, well, that's just spiritual things. Of course, that doesn't mean material things. God doesn't mean material things, but only spiritual things. And I beg to differ on that. I believe it's both. Also, in Psalms 37, 4 and 5, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I believe what that means is as we delight in the Lord and we're abiding in him and his words abiding in us, then his desires become our desires. It's like God has a desire for people to be saved. God has a desire for people to be healed. God has a desire for people to be set free. God has these desires. And as I spend time with him and get close to him, then all of a sudden his desires become my desire. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm beginning to ask God. I'm crying out to God for the things that God already wants to do. But it also means the little fun desires that we have, like, it should be nice to have a laptop. Or an iPad. I believe it can mean those desires too. 
I remember one time when I was coming back from Kenya, I believe it was Dale and Teresa and I, we're coming back from Kenya in the airport, couldn't wait to be home. And this is before the iPad was, was, it was probably invented, but it wasn't a big deal. But the laptops were a big deal. And I saw all these guys sitting there on their laptops and they're doing email and they're doing whatever they're doing on laptops. I remember walking by and I said, oh man, I said, daddy, I want one of those. Man, because I was thinking, you know how easy it'd be to, to email and communicate with Lisa and all that kind of stuff. I said, I want one of those, Daddy. I was serious. I was serious in my heart because I believe I can ask him for those things. But the thing is, is I'm not about those toys. I'm about his kingdom. But every once in a while, it's fun to play. You see what I'm saying? And guess what? A short time later... I was blessed with the finances to not only, it was our, one of our anniversaries, 15 something, I don't know how many years we're married, but one of our anniversaries, I wanted to be able to take Lisa somewhere to Seattle, wanted to do some things. We had some needs and then this laptop thing right there. I remember in a short time, I was blessed with finances, just boom, I was able to do all of them, go to Seattle with her, take care of those bills and buy me a laptop. Buy me a laptop. Oh, that thing is so far outdated now, it's, it's gone. But anyway, <laughs> but it was just one of those things. Now, I, don't, I try not to get hung up in the things, oh, God, i got to have this gimme, 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 gimme. And not too long ago, um, I was uh, standing right here. It was during the break, and a brother approached me and said, have you been wanting an iPad? I thought it was a trick question. I'm like, yeah, like who doesn't want an iPad, right? It's like, yeah, and, and then he said, if you got an iPad, would it make you a better pastor? I said, you better believe it would. <laughs> We're talking a bunch of hallelujahs and all that kind of stuff. Oh, brother, let me show you. And then he told me that, you know, when he got his iPhone, he upgraded his iPhone, and he says ever since then he hardly uses his iPad. And so it's just sitting there and everything. He said, so... Um, he said that he'd like to give it to me. And it was funny because when I, um, it's an iPad too, by the way, you remember that video we made a couple of weeks ago that you saw all that video was shot through this iPad. Now I'm not making an iPad commercial. Okay. I'm not, but anyway, but the cool thing was when he asked me that question, have you been wanting an iPad? I had been praying for an iPad. You know, I see Todd with his, or I see Kaylin with hers, and it's not covetousness or greed, okay? Let me make this clear. Maybe just a little bit, but not a lot. But it's like, man, Lord, it sure would be cool to have one of those. And I just asked him, once, you know, Lord, can I? And see, the thing was, and it's just the way I talked to my daddy, he couldn't give me the money to buy an iPad because... If I was given six, seven hundred dollars, I wouldn't buy an iPad. I'd pay bills or do something practical with it. So it's like, Lord, if you want to give me an iPad, you just got to give me an iPad. And guess what he did? Here you go, son. Boom. Gave me an iPad. And then I could go on and on and on over the years. Just the things he gave us a cruise. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Talking about worldly, a cruise is worldly. Unless you go on a Christian cruise. But I mean, in other words, it's it's part of the world. I mean, it's not like it's so spiritual and that kind of thing. But God gave me he invaded my I was having a car. I'm not going to get into the story, 
but just to say, I was having a quiet time, spending time with God, worshiping him. And he said, ask me for a cruise. I said, I rebuke you. Get. I was frustrated because I'm talking to him and I'm thinking the devil is trying to slip these thoughts. Ask for a crew, you know, cruise, that kind of thing. But I later found out that it was the Holy Spirit setting me up. It's an ask. I said, how do I know this is God? Immediately he gave me scriptures. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you shall find. Knock shall be open. If you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart, etc., etc., etc. The ones I just read. Well, this was a desire of Lisa. A cruise. Well, to make a long story real short, he gave me a seven-day free cruise. To the Caribbean. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, why? After the cruise is over, and that's a whole incredible story, crazy. I'm going I'm I'm to finish this next week, but I got too much. Um, but I remember someone saying, I remember a preacher saying, he said, have you ever been blessed by God so much that it was so relentless that you had to say, God, I can't take it anymore. Please stop. This is what this preacher was asking. I'm like, yeah. And I say, God, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. I did. I said, yeah, right. I didn't believe he could do that. We're sitting on the cruise, sitting on the ship. We just opened an envelope full of $200 cash from a couple that strangers almost that we had met. The youth had given us money. I mean, it was just overwhelming. And right there, I said, God, I whispered, I said, God, I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. Please stop. I mean, I was literally about to explode with joy. It was so much. I was overwhelmed. I felt like I was underwater, couldn't breathe. With his joy, it was so much. And when I said that, I can't take anymore. Please stop. Then you know what he said? Gotcha. <laughs> and I flashed back to when I dared God to do that. And it's like, whoa. But here's what I want to finish with. When I asked him, I said, God, after that cruise was over in the youth house where George lives now, it used to be the youth office and the youth, all that kind of stuff. But I was praying and, and I got on my I said, God, I don't understand why. Why in the world would you give us a cruise? Why would you do that? Why, why does it make any sense to me? I mean, there are people that need Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And here's what I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it was almost like a sorrowness in his voice. And he said, son, how I long to bless my children. How I long his desire. You know, he set up a way so that he can bless us, that we can. And please don't misunderstand me. The emphasis isn't just on material things. That's not the emphasis, but just every once in a while he shows us. I'm your daddy. I'm real. I just want to give you this. Just like you parents, every once in a while when, with your kids, you know when things are tight and you can't afford a lot of luxuries and that kind of thing. But every once in a while in your heart, you just want to bless your children. Come home and say, hey, look what I got you while I was gone. <gasps> Whoa, daddy, thank you. We as parents love to do that, don't we? Even more so. But the thing is, is material things will mess me up if he's not my priority. Let's all stand. I apologize for going over. I intended to stop earlier.
I'll finish at 11.59 next week to make up for it. Close your eyes with me. Let's pray. Lord, again, we do. We thank you. We're so grateful to you because you, you're the one that set all this stuff up. You're the one that established your kingdom and invited us to be a part of it. And we thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that we will have overwhelming desires to spend time with you. That our whole priority, our whole everything will be about you, Jesus. We'll be consumed with passion for Jesus. And Lord, we know that practically speaking, it takes spending time with you. It takes carving out time out of our schedules to spend time with you. So again, I thank you for grace for everyone here to receive that grace so that they're enabled, we're enabled to move in that direction in practical ways. And right now, as your heart is just open to the Holy Spirit, if he's encouraging you with something practically, specifically, I just want to encourage you right now to say, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. You're not making any vows to God. We're not talking about that because you will fail. As you plan to spend time with God and you say, I'm going to do it every day, you will skip days. You will miss days. And when that happens, not if, but when that happens, please do not allow the enemy to bring condemnation into your soul. That is not of God. When you skip a day or two days or a week or whatever, it's like, oh, man, Lord, help me to get back with you. Just turn around and keep going. This is not a condemnation thing that if you were a good Christian, you would do this. It's not about that. It's about our Heavenly Father inviting us into His presence. That's what it's about. And Father, we accept your invitation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have an awesome week in His presence. See you next time.